if you operate a business or run real estate in your individual name, you have a five times greater risk of being audited by the IRS than if you operate through an LLC or a corporation. Best ever listeners, you ready to take your online advertising into the big leagues? Are you ready to get more leads? Well, how about we do all this for free? Yeah, sure, free. Well, it starts out with a free strategy session with Dan Barrett. You recognize his name, episode 565, titled Google AdWords and Cutting Edge Strategies. He's the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. That's why I'm talking about him. And he's managed over a million dollars of client spend and scored an 80th percentile for or higher for best practice. Basically, he knows his stuff. And he is offering a free strategy session for one hour to do a deep dive with you and learn about your market and collaboratively come up with an online advertising strategy based on your target audience. And he's offering to do this for the best ever listeners. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Now I mentioned free. Well, the strategy session is free. And then you can either take the online advertising strategy that he comes up with on the call and go implement it yourself. There you go. It's free. Or you can have him and his agency do it for you. It's a turnkey solution. And by the way, that likely one that being free too, assuming that you're closing on the leads that he's generating for you as a result of all the efforts. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. He's got some amazing stuff. Ask him about the pre-targeting for direct mail lists that he does. It's something unique to their company and it's pretty exciting stuff. He's noticing some tremendous results as a result of doing pre-targeting. So ask him about that. AdWordsNerds.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluff. And I hope you're having a wonderful, actually a best ever weekend because it is Sunday. We've got a special segment called Skill Set Sunday. By the end of our conversation, you're going to have a specific skill that perhaps you didn't have. And holy cow, we've got someone who is here to educate us on all sorts of legal loopholes we want to close in our real estate investing business. How you doing, Garrett Sutton? Good, Joe. Pleasure to be with you today. Well, nice to have you on the show, my friend. A little bit about Garrett. He is the founder of two companies, Corporate Direct and Sutton Law Center. He is the author who has sold more than 850,000 books, including Loopholes of Real Estate. He's a member of an elite group of rich dad advisors for best-selling author Robert Kiyosaki, who has been a guest on the show. He's based in Reno, Nevada. With that being said, Garrett, before we dive into legal loopholes we want to close in our business. Can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background? Sure. I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, and I attended the University of California at Berkeley. Then I went across the Bay to Hastings Law School, got my law degree, practiced in San Francisco and Washington, D.C. And I always liked the mountains and Lake Tahoe and skiing. So I moved to Reno in 1989. It was a great move. I raised a family here. Nevada is a great state, along with Wyoming, for setting up corporations. So I've been uh, happily practicing law in Reno, Nevada for several years now, and I enjoy 
traveling the world with Robert Kiyosaki and the other Rich Dad Advisors and just talking about financial education and how people can take steps on their own because they don't teach this in school to become financially aware and then financially free. So it's been really a great process to go through and it's just very rewarding to help people. And I'm glad there are people out there like you, Joe, that are providing education to people on a continuing basis. This is important for people to gain this knowledge so that they can move forward as well. I completely agree. And you mentioned Nevada and Wyoming are great states for setting up corporations. What makes a state great for setting up a corporation? Well, it's two things. One is the law. California, for example, has a very weak asset protection law with their corporations and LLCs. Uh, Nevada and Wyoming take the other side of things. They want to make their law as protective as possible. And along with Delaware and South Dakota and some other states, they provide excellent laws to help people protect their assets. Wyoming also offers privacy. When you set up an LLC in Wyoming, on the Secretary of State's website, they don't list your name as being an owner or a manager or member. So we like the privacy. We want to keep a low profile, and Wyoming provides that. And the annual fee for Wyoming is only $50 a year versus 800 for California, and, yeah. and other states are more expensive. So we really like Wyoming. We also like Nevada. And you have the choice of what state to incorporate in. You're not locked into incorporating in a state that you live in. You can choose which state has the best laws and do the best to take advantage of those laws. What if you have already incorporated in New York, for example? Can you switch that to Wyoming? You can. And one of the strategies we do, Joe, is if you have property in New York, we would have it owned by a New York LLC. And then you would have the New York LLC owned by a Wyoming LLC. Mm. That's the best strategy. So if you have the property in New York, title is in the name of a New York LLC, you're probably okay. And then you would just take the next step of having the New York LLC be owned by the Wyoming LLC, which if someone's suing you personally after a car wreck, for example, they would have to fight through the Wyoming LLC to even get at the New York LLC. Wyoming offers excellent asset protection through the charging order procedure. So that's a way to do it. Now, say you really want a Wyoming LLC for your New York property. You can take the New York LLC, and it's called a continuance. You can take the New York LLC, go to the Wyoming Secretary of State, and continue it into Wyoming. And all of a sudden, your New York LLC becomes a Wyoming LLC with the same incorporation date and the same EIN number, so it can be done. And that's called a continuance? Yes. And you said you go to the Wyoming Secretary of State and request that? Uh-huh. Interesting. And, and our firm provides that service. We do mm -hmm. it for a lot of people. So if you're in a state where you don't like the laws, you can move over to Wyoming and take advantage of their laws. What is the downside to having living in a state and then having an LLC or a, an S-Corp in Wyoming, but you're not necessarily physically there? The one downside would be, say you have a business in New York and you have a Wyoming LLC doing business in New York. To do it right, you would have to qualify the Wyoming LLC to do business in New York. 
and you're going to pay the same fees as you would if you started in New York to begin with. So you'd just be paying two state filing fees instead of one. But as we said, Wyoming is only $50 a year, and we serve in the, as the resident agent there in Jackson Hole for $125 a year. So for $175 a year, you're paying a little bit more for better asset protection. Mm. And that would be the fee that you all charge? That's it? $175? Well, the to... annual fee, yeah. The, yeah. The, uh, the setup fee, if you mention Rich Dad, it's $595 per entity, mm-hmm. plus the state filing fees, which vary state to state. So it's $595 plus Wyoming, for example, is 100 So $695. Then on an annual basis, after the first year, after everything's set up, it's 175 a year, 50 to the state of Wyoming, and 125 for us to be the resident agent. Mm-hmm. Not expensive. Not expensive. After we get done talking, Garrett, I am going to talk to you offline. And I messed up when I started one of my LLCs. I set it up in New York because I was living in New York, and I had to publish it in some newspaper for $2,000, and then another newspaper for all in it was actually 2000 So one was 1000 the other was 1000 and then I don't know what's going on with one of my LLCs. So I'm actually going to hire you and do this. So cool. Well, selfishly, th- thank you for that info. <laughs> yeah, we, we provide a cleanup service. So if you haven't done your minutes for a while or you, things haven't been kept up to date, we'll clean it up for you. So it's not a problem. But the key thing is you want to follow the formalities. You want to make sure that you're paying the annual fees, you're doing your annual minutes, you're following these pretty simple requirements. If you don't follow them, then someone can pierce the veil and get at your personal assets. So it's important to follow these formalities on an ongoing basis. I'm taking notes. Perhaps I missed this. I thought you said there are two things to consider. One is asset protection. Was there another or did I miss that? No, the key thing for me is asset protection. Okay. Now, there are some tax issues involved and you'll work with your tax advisor. But for me, you're going to pay the same in taxes with an LLC. Maybe you'll save some than you would personally because you can get depreciation personally and all. But here's the interesting thing, Joe. If you operate a business or run real estate in your individual name, you have a five times greater risk of being audited by the IRS than if you operate through an LLC or a corporation. So that right there is a good reason to be incorporated. You're going to follow all the tax rules. You're going to follow all the corporate rules. But by doing that, you're going to be protected and you have a much lower risk of running into an IRS audit. Let's talk about other legal loopholes as real estate investors. Now that I selfishly got what I wanted to cut. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> now that we've talked about some loophole, what are some other loopholes? And you've written a book about it. So what are some things that you have identified that we should talk about during today's conversation? Well, with loopholes, for the tax side, you want to open those and take advantage of them. And on the legal side, you want to close them and protect yourself. So certainly using LLCs to hold real estate. In some cases, you'll use LPs or limited partnerships is good. One of the things that happens, Joe, is people will set up the LLC for their real estate and then they'll forget to transfer title from their name into the LLC name. And you don't have the asset protection unless you do that transfer from your name into the LLC. When someone's looking to sue 
over the property at 123 Elm Street, and they go to the county recorder, and it's in your name, that's an easy path for them to get at your personal assets. When the county recorder says 123 Elm Street is held by Joe's LLC, an attorney's going to think twice about suing, especially on a personal claim against you, because it's in an LLC, and if we've structured it right, it's going to be difficult to get at that asset. So we want to be sure and transfer title. Now, what we talk about in the book, Loopholes of Real Estate, some people are worried, well, if I have a loan against the property and yeah. I transfer the property, Do on sale. Uh, isn't, isn't that a sale of the asset? Well, no, it's not a sale. You've just transferred it from your name to your LLC. You haven't sold the property. And in most cases, 999000 out of a million, it's just not going to be an issue. The bank will not call the note. And here's the magic language you use if it's an issue. And the FHA buys this language. It's called continuity of obligation. And what that means is when you buy that duplex in your individual name, you had to sign a personal guarantee and you had to give the bank a first deed of trust against the property. Now, when you transfer from your name into the LLC, there's a continuity of obligation. The bank still has your personal guarantee. They still have a first deed of trust against the property. So the obligation has not been diminished. And so that's the language you'll use. But as I was mentioning, it's rare when you see a bank actually call the note. And banks are getting more understanding of people holding title to their real estate in an LLC. And what my clients say and what I've had in my experience is the banker will say, well, I can't tell you that you can do that, but if you do that, we're not going to bother you. That's what they'll say. They'll say, I'm not going to advocate it. We mm -hmm. want you to take title when you buy the property in your individual name. But, you know, after you buy the property and you transfer it into an LLC, we're not going to bother you. So I would always recommend that people even if they're financing the property, take title eventually in the name of an LLC. And we talk about those issues in the book. What is the process that you'd recommend in terms of doing that? Would you talk to the lender first or would you do it and talk to them about continuity of obligation if they bring it up later? Well, is it better to ask permission or forgiveness? Right. Uh, <laughs> so I would do it. And as long as they keep receiving a check, and the check will be in the name of the LLC, as long as they keep receiving the mortgage check made out in the LLC account, they're not going to bother you with it. So I always recommend to do it. And if you have a good relationship with the banker, if the banker's a friend of yours, you could ask them. And 99% of the time, they're going to say, just do it. Don't tell us about it. Now, Joe, the one thing you have to do if you do that is you have to let the insurance company know the title is in the name of the LLC because you'll take title in your individual name and that's who the policy will be with. Then when you transfer it to the LLC, the insurance company needs to know that. We had a client before they came to us, they were in Los Angeles. They had a duplex. Insurance was in their individual name. Mm -hmm. They transferred title to the LLC there was a fire and the insurance company said, well, we're not insuring the LLC, we're insuring you. Mm -hmm. And they denied coverage. And when you talk to the insurance company, they'll say, well, if you put it into an LLC, that's a business and we have to charge you a higher premium, which is, of course, nonsense. It's the same risk. Here's how you skin the cat. 
you tell the insurance company, I'm going to keep the insurance in my individual name, so you get the lower premium, but I want you to list the LLC mm-hmm. as an so additional insured. insured. Yep. And that's yep. how you do it. I love that. That's a real-world problem you just solved because I guarantee a lot of people, myself included, who know it makes sense to transfer your real estate into LLCs did not think of also getting the insurance company to add that LLC as an additional insured. If you ask them to do so, do they ask why? Nowadays, a lot of them know why. I've never had my agent ask why, but she knows that I'm holding properties in LLCs and Mm. insurance is in my name. And it's really easy for her to add the LLC as an additional insured. Earlier, you said to use LLCs to hold real estate and in some cases use LPs. When would we use limited partnerships LPs? That's a really good question. There are limited times when you would use the limited partnership. A couple things. First of all, in California, there's an extra franchise tax on LLCs based on gross receipts. Not how profitable you are, but just money coming in the door. So in California, to avoid this kind of offensive franchise tax, you may look at using a limited partnership. Now, the limited partnership requires that you set up two entities, right? You set up the limited partnership that's chartered with the state, but then the general partner can either be an individual or you as a corporation or LLC. The problem with you being the individual general partner is you have unlimited liability for that property. And so we have to have the general partnership interest be in the name of a corporation or LLC. So unlike the LLC where we only have to set up one entity to get everybody protected, in the LP you have to set up two. So that's a downside. But on the plus side, it's really clear that if mom and dad own 2% as general partners of the LP through their corporation or LLC, they can gift 98% to the kids over time, and with that 2% general partnership interest, they have absolute control over the limited partnership. So the kids can't come in and force mom and dad out. The kids would have to live with their 98% while mom and dad were able to pay for various expenses, pay for medical, whatever they want, with that 2% interest and stay in control. So that's one of the big advantages Mm -hmm. of the LP. And I have another book called How to Use Limited Liability Companies and Limited Partnerships. I just came out with a fourth edition. And we talk about those issues, the use of the LP for estate planning and gifting to the kids, because that's a great use for that entity. Something happens and people sue us. It's a litigious society, as you know, in your line of work, and you do what you can with your clients to help protect stuff from happening. What are either entities or structures that we can employ? I've heard of land trusts before, and I've interviewed people, and they seem almost too good to be true. What are your thoughts on that before I Okay, I ask well, I have question. a whole chapter in Loopholes of Real Estate on land trusts, just busting out the misconceptions about them. First of all, they offer no asset protection. You have a duplex in the name of a land trust and a tenant sues, they're suing you personally, right? There's no protection. 
this idea that you have privacy, if someone's going to sue the land trust and they can't find who the owner is, is nonsense. If they go and try and find who the owner is and they can't, all they have to do is go to the court and get a court order to publish notice in the newspaper of the lawsuit. And you're never going to see that notice. The plaintiff, the person bringing the case, is going to win the case by default. That's not a good position to be in. So this idea that the privacy of a land trust keeps you out of court is nonsense. It puts you further behind in the court system. For example, if there's a problem on the property and a tenant sues and they can't find out where you are, then you don't have the opportunity to notify your insurance company of the claim. And then there's a default judgment against you. Your insurance company could say, look, you didn't notify us of this claim. We're not going to cover you. And you're in worse position than if you'd used an LLC. So the land trust is not a very good way to go. As well, they say that, okay, well, there's no asset protection with a land trust. So have three land trusts owned by one LLC. And that gives you the asset protection. <laughs> the problem with that is if the land trust gets sued, the LLC is the responsible party. Well, you've just let someone into an LLC that owns three properties. Mm -hmm. So you have compounded the problem. Now the tenant can reach three properties instead of one. So you're absolutely right, Joe. There is way too much misinformation out there. It sounds too good to be true. And when that's the case, it usually isn't true. And that is certainly the case with land trusts. I always recommend that people be very cautious about what they hear on these land trusts. You say the word land trust with so much disdain. It's like, it's like poison, I can tell from your mouth. Is there a time when it would be good to use one? There would be one case, and that would be where the bank says, absolutely not. You cannot put the property into an LLC. We're going to sue you or we're going to call the note or whatever. So what you do is they can't not let you put property into a living trust. For estate planning purposes, we can put real estate into the name of the living trust. The land trust and the living trust are very similar. So you put it into the land trust, and then you have the beneficiary be an LLC. That would be the only case I would use a land trust. But this idea, and believe me, there are all these non-lawyers out there promoting these land trusts. They have no idea what the law is, but they have latched on to the idea that the land trust is something they can sell. You just have to be very cautious on who you take advice from. Mm, yes, that is true. Well, let's talk about really quick as we wrap up. Let's talk about one other thing. First off, my overarching question earlier was, is there something else that we haven't talked about that you implement with your clients that typically isn't implemented already? Yeah, I like you have your New York duplex owned by a New York LLC. In turn, that is owned by a Wyoming LLC. You get a Connecticut property. We have a Connecticut fourplex and a Connecticut LLC owned by that same Wyoming LLC. So we don't need to set up a new Wyoming every time. Mm -hmm. Now, the next step is you can have what's called an asset protection trust own that Wyoming LLC. And that provides excellent asset protection. The problem is it's an irrevocable trust. You can't really change it around. And when we talk through this with our clients, most don't do it because they're expenses, 
and they're irrevocable. And the Wyoming LLC gives you the flexibility to change things around if you want, and it gives you the good protection. So some of our clients, Joe, would consider a Nevada Asset Protection Trust, for example. Most of them wouldn't, knowing that they're just as pretty well protected with that Wyoming LLC. Where can the best ever listeners get in touch with you and your firm? Our website is corporatedirect.com, and we have lots of information there. We offer a free 15-minute consult with an incorporating specialist, so you can call up and talk to someone on the phone about your situation. So you can call 800-600-1760 and talk to a live body about what you should do in your situation and how we can help you. So as I said at the top of the show, it's been great traveling around with Robert Kiyosaki and educating people. And that's how our firm has grown is just by providing information to people. And if we can help you with these entities, we're happy to do so. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you want to briefly mention to the best ever listeners? I just think that we are a litigious society and that will never change. I just don't see our system changing at all. So as you get started, you need to protect your wealth right at the start. If you wait and you get sued, it's too late to set up your asset protection. So you have to do this when the seas are calm, when you have no problems, then it's okay to set up your asset protection structures. Once you've even been threatened with a lawsuit, not received the summons, but actually been threatened by a lawsuit, it's too late to set up these LLCs and other structures. So just do it right from the start. Garrett, this has been an educational conversation. Thank you for being on the show, talking about overall asset protection. I love the one-two punch that you mentioned. Tax loopholes, you want to open up. Legal loopholes, you want to close and talking through if you've already created an LLC, then doing a continuance in a state like Wyoming so that this is still relevant to basically everyone who has an LLC who didn't start it in the state that they should have, myself included. And then also the difference between why we should own real estate and LLCs, which I think a lot of the best ever listeners know, but you went two levels deeper and talked about the importance of let the insurance company know that it's in the LLC's name and add them as additional insured and make sure that you transfer your title from your name to the LLC. So two things that perhaps people aren't aware of. And then lastly, the difference between LLCs and LPs as well as overall asset protection and your thoughts on land trust. Of course, I can't forget that. So Garrett, thanks again for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever weekend and we'll talk to you soon. Got your free strategy session to generate online leads yet? Well, if not, go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Dan Barrett's going to give you a concrete online advertising strategy by the end of the conversation. You can choose to implement it yourself. Or you can work with this team and they'll implement it for you. AdWordsNerds.com forward slash Joe. Finally, your funding problem is 100% solved at CIX.com. At CIX.com, private lenders compete to fund deals. CIX facilitates over half a billion in loans for real estate investors weekly. Get funded and download your free funding kit at CIX.com.